Hey, a warm welcome to another episode of the Journey Visions podcast. We aim at capturing the different visions and inspirations of our guests and their joint projects to fight climate change. This podcast tries to interconnect between the different sustainability-related projects, bring transparency into our learning, and share our common interests. We are Nora from the Northern Lights Journey. And so I'm from the Vinova Lisbon Parry Journey. Today, we speak with one of our very interesting participants, Simona Yastamskade. Simona Yastamskade is from the Dublona, Dublin, London Climate League Journey. She is originally from Lithuania, but she has studied, worked, and lived in so many diverse places like Ireland, China, and Sweden, plus traveled in more than 30 countries that she does not even know where she belongs anymore. A true global citizen then, huh? She graduated with a bachelor's degree in translation and editing, and then decided to gain skills that would contribute to a sustainable future. She's currently in her second year of master's in environmental studies and sustainability science at Lund University in Sweden. Everything that is scientific interests her because she believes that science is a universal language. Art and painting are a major part of her life and she completed a diploma in fine arts, painting and sketching. She loves traveling and runs a travel blog and a food blog. She has been working on a project Green Grip and aims to start a food saving community in her native Vilnius. She has just finished her internship in the Department of Environmental Protection under the Ministry of Environment in Lithuania, which allowed her to delve deeper into the issue of eutrophication in the Baltic Sea. Simona, you are a person with a lot of sides and a lot of interests. So can you tell us a little bit about what your three projects are? And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hi, uh, happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, so the three projects that you mentioned it is Green Grip, Food Saving Vilnius, and From the Seed to the Sea that I'm doing currently. So shortly about three of these projects. So Green Grip is mostly uh, about heavily urbanized areas in Turgumuresh in Romania and how we want to build green facades and green roofs on top of them in order to sequester carbon more successfully. Food saving Vilnius is uh, something that we are doing similar in Lund in Sweden, what we want to implement in Vilnius and is mostly battling uh, the food waste. And the project that I'm currently working on as master's thesis is called From the Sea to the Sea, is the project about eutrophication in the Baltic Sea and how conventional farming is affecting uh, the Baltic Sea and the Coronian Lagoon in Lithuania. Okay, thank you for this uh, introduction, Simona. I can't wait to hear more about it. But before we go into your projects, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to do a rapid fire round. Um, I just heard that you've been in so many places that you don't know where you belong anymore. But what is currently the place you call home? Exactly. I don't know myself, so I must say <laughs> forest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. Could be anywhere then. Um, what was your motivation for joining the journey? I cannot sh say it shortly, but I guess new frameworks um, yeah. that I could use for my thesis. Yeah, okay. Oh, you did that very in a very short way. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what led you to where you are right now? like in terms of sustainability, um, because you you started your master's in sustainability and before that you, you did a bachelor's in a different field. Was there anything specific that happened or triggered you? 
Yeah, so I guess when I finished my bachelor's and I went to work as a teacher in China, I saw the incapability uh, of the cities to be resilient uh, regarding the rapid climate change because the urbanization was so big and rapid. So I guess the incapability to be resilient. Yeah. All right. What, who, <laughs> what or who is your biggest inspiration? It's a tough one. There are many. Uh, I guess you can also name a few. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll name one. Um, this is a Lithuanian Canadian woman, and her name is Biruta Gallikas. And uh, maybe you know her. She's an anthropologist and primatologist Ooh. and professor, uh, and she works with uh, orangutans in Borneo. And she was oh my, my inspiration. Yeah. Um, I've been there. I love it. Sounds amazing. Then we move on to your favorite sustainability tool. Is there any particular book or podcast or item? I guess at the moment I'm using news app and I'm just adding filters like sustainability, green life and uh, climate change, sustainable development so that I can read news about what's new coming up about sustainability and about development. So that really interests me. I listened for a few podcasts, but, uh, it wasn't interesting. I started listening to Journey and I really love it. So keep on <laughs> yes, good work, guys. You. <laughs> thank you. All right. We really like that endorsement. Thank you very much, Simona. Uh, the place that we were talking about frameworks, could you tell us a little bit more about which frameworks you were interested in and what you wanted to take from the journey? Uh, well, as far as I remember, we learned a lot frameworks in Diplona Journey. A lot of frameworks I already knew from my master's. Uh, like CLD, like cause loop diagrams and DIPSER. But the really interesting one that I'm planning to use is the iceberg model. It's actually very interesting. Thank you so much, Simona. Uh, let's move on to your project now, now that we get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so you said that you were doing a project about eutrophication in Lithuania, in, in the Baltic Sea, the Baltic coast. Uh, why do you think there is a need for a project like this? Well, um, the countries at the moment, the nine countries of the Baltic Sea, are failing to curb down the eutrophication levels. And the BSAP, or the so-called Baltic Sea Action Plan, is, which is the main legislation for the clean Baltic Sea, it failed completely. And the HELCOM, uh, the government body who is governing all these nine countries around Baltic Sea, is creating a new one in 2021. So hopefully they will make a more fruitful uh, legislation which will help to better uh, the Baltic Sea. And eutrophication in the Baltic Sea and the Coronian Lagoon uh, happens because of the many reasons. For example, climate change or uh, increased temperatures. Uh, but one of the main culprits for this is the farming, more, uh, more specifically conventional farming. And from Lithuanian perspective, we are mainly the agrarian country. Uh, so there is this need to promote the development of the organic uh, farming and the growth of organic farms uh, because organic farms reduce the nutrient leakage into the rivers and groundwater. Uh, and at the same time, it betters the soil, which of course prevents the leakage of the nutrients and thus decreases the eutrophication. That is a very, very interesting uh, explanation, Simona. Thank you for that. And I think for the listeners who, who are situated or working in these countries around the Baltic Sea, this would be a very, very good insight into it. Uh, how, how did you get this idea? What, what led you to this idea? Well, um, 
I was, I was always interested in the eutrophication and what causes it. And then after more research, I understood that uh, this is caused by choice of the consumers. It is partially because in Lithuania, and I think in many countries, we buy uh, products that are cheaper. Uh, I guess everybody can relate to that. And products from the conventional farming are automatically cheaper because they're mass produced. So I made the survey recently uh, targeting the consumers in Lithuania and it turned out to be true. People do tend to buy cheaper products. But the most interesting fact that uh, I got from the survey is that the people know a lot about environment and the downside of the conventional farming. However, they do not tend to care about environment when it comes to their wallet. So I guess this project is partially to shed light about our choices, the, the choices of the consumers, and how indirectly it affects the quality of the sea and the Coronian Lagoon. That is very interesting. And it is quite true that the consumers are uh, causing this demand uh, of conventional uh, farming methods. That makes sense. Nora, do you want to ask something in regard to that? Yeah, actually, I'm wondering, um, because I'm familiar with the concept of eutrophication, um, but are there any direct consequences uh, you see how the Baltic Sea has been affected by this? Like, can you see it in the environment? Do you notice like any processes that are changing as a result of that? Yeah, exactly. Eutrophication causes the so-called black spots and it decreases the oxygen and thus the biodiversity in the Baltic Sea uh, decreases. So farming is also causing the decrease of the biodiversity and fishes and this will decrease the fisheries and all the economy. And we can totally relate to that, Simone. I mean, it's so true, especially in Europe, when you, when you see from above, uh, most parts of Europe just looks like one big farmland and then it's very worrying in, in the long run. Let's, let's move on to your next project when we are on this green topic. Uh, tell us something about Green Grid. What, what motivated you to take uh, this topic up, this thing, and what do you want to do in Romania? Ah, uh, yeah, Green Grip. <laughs> um, so basically what we're doing in Green Grip, as I mentioned before, we are creating green roofs and facades in heavily urbanized areas in Târgumuresh in Romania. And previously I had experience in Lund University because we were doing a, a project on blue spaces, which is called Project Pond. So we were enhancing the quality of the blue spaces for better carbon sequestration. And currently I'm working on a project about creating urban gardens in Bulgaria. And uh, not everything is finalized, but I guess at the moment I want to gather as much knowledge as possible and as much as experience as possible for more successful implementation of these projects. And I guess if these projects continue to be successful, I would want to implement something similar in Lithuania in Vilnius, because we have a lot of heavily cemented areas that needs to be changed. And uh, who do you think would the main stakeholders be in the Green Group project? So we're thinking about involving various of NGOs and, and local people, and we are already um, contact a few of those NGOs, and we received quite a positive response. And we're also thinking of including government because they're uh, the main decision-making body. Uh, also quite important stakeholder is youth. So we want to empower youth in Turgumuresh. Turgumuresh has a lot of uh, universities. We plan to 
involve students from uh, architectural background or uh, art background and thus the thus shed light on sustainability and sustainable development. And most importantly, we have to include city planners because it must be noted that um, in my previous project in Lund, we had some disagreements, not like disagreements, but um, talks with uh, city planners because they made a statement that you cannot do a facade or green roof on the city, in the city, on the roofs or on the facades because simply because um, the buildings in Lund are really old and the construction is not uh, is not suitable for such thing because it will erode the construction and the building will simply fall down. Uh, and so also the big opposition was received when we talk about the new areas uh, that we wanted to implement, but the city planners tend to plan more about erecting buildings than creating uh, green spaces because it gives more economical value. So. Therefore, it should be noted that not every pilot project suits every place. Every project has to be readjusted regarding the location, plans, stakeholders, and what so on and so forth. Thank you so much, Mona. That's a very good in-depth analysis. And for people who are starting on such pilot projects, I think it'll be very, very inspiring. Uh, and now let's move on to your next project, uh, Food Saving Vilnius. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, the main idea, as I mentioned, already exists in Lund, and I'm part of this initiative called Food Saving Lund. Uh, so basically what we do is we collect the almost expiring food or ugly food that nobody wants to buy, so it will be thrown away anyway. We and a bunch of volunteers, we collect it from bakeries, vegetable shops, fruit shops. Uh, we gather this food and give it to the people in need or the charities. And the same idea I'm trying to implement in Vilnius, and although the country is quite small uh, and we do not have that many people, but we do have tremendous amount of wasted food. So I have planned to contact uh, some small food markets uh, that uh, would probably love to collaborate and um, volunteers and that could bring to the food to the designated areas. And the project is taking its baby steps but I'm convinced it will work eventually because it works in Sweden as well. Being, being a part of Food Saving Lund myself, uh, I, I really wish you the best and, uh, and I'm looking forward to um, for, for Food Saving Vilnius and a Food Saving a lot of other towns to grow up. Um, I was wondering, Nora, did you have something to ask about this? Yeah, because I'm wondering, um, so first of all, I'm very intrigued that you have so many different projects going on in different countries. Um, I think you have to deal with different policies, different governments. Um, so I'm very intrigued by that, how you deal with that. But specifically uh, for this project, I wondered how aware are people already in Vilnius about food waste and the impact on the environment? Because I'm assuming um, this is different than, for example, in Lund. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I must say that people in Lund are, or in Sweden in general, are more aware about food waste yeah. Um, uh, in, in Lithuania, I must say youth is quite aware about that, but the older generation is not uh, really knowing about it and they tend to have this linear economy instead of circular economy. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is kind of a problem, but I think if we have volunteers from youth perspective, I think it will be quite successful. Yeah. That is quite interesting, yeah. But you know what's surprising, Nora? That uh, 
Sweden, uh, I have to check the statistics, Sweden wastes way more food per capita than Lithuania than a lot of other countries that we'd expect. Lithuania, really? uh, the last I checked, was one of the one of the lowest in Europe and, and that was so surprising. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. It, let's, it, let's move on to the next part. What was the most important part of the journey for you? The most interesting part and the part that you liked the most? Interesting part. Um, the most interesting part for me was to meet like-minded people. I guess there were people with so many different backgrounds that I thought, oh my God, they won't understand anything what I would be saying. But it's very rare to meet people who you're speaking to and they want to achieve the same thing that you want to. And I was surprised that many people, for example, political backgrounds, uh, economic backgrounds, they all know so much and I'm so happy. And therefore I think Micro Project had so many different uh, backgrounds and just because we understood each other and we had the same goal, uh, our project went on, I think, quite successfully and will continue to grow in the future. That's that's really nice. And I was wondering, what was the part you thought could be done better or, or the part probably least enjoyed? Well, um, I, I enjoyed a lot um, the, the Blona journey was quite interesting and I think it was really fruitful when it comes to what we learned. Uh, but personally, I think everyone has their own way to relax and have off-screen time. For me personally, it is to go out to the nature. As I said, forest is my home. Uh, or I like to be quiet for a while in some quiet place. For others, it's I guess to speak to somebody. Some others enjoy sports, meditation, yoga, reading, watching videos and etc. Um, so I think those tiny short breaks could have been handled much better instead of kind of making everybody to stand up and do something, the same thing as everybody else. Uh, other than that, I think our journey handled, was handled pretty well. Good to hear. Actually, I'm also personally very happy with how, uh, how uh, my journey was uh, coached, um, especially it has been challenging with all the screen time, of course. Um, so I'm happy to hear that you also um, had a good journey. <laughs> okay, Simona, we're uh, moving to a little bit more uh, lighter section. And uh, we like to call it pick your poison. So we're going to give you either or questions just to, uh, to uh, switch it up a bit. Um, are you ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Here we go. Electric car or alternative fuel car, public transport? Wow. Um, <laughs> I love my individuality, so I must say electric car. Okay, cool. Phone call or text? Uh, text. I hate calling. <laughs> organic or local? You yeah. know the answer. Organic. I, I would definitely <laughs> say organic. Easy. Okay. And yeah. what if it's organic and local? Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh, can I say just water? I, I'm not a coffee nor tea drinker. All right. Okay, we can, uh, we can deal with water. <laughs> <laughs> Biking or walking? Biking, definitely. And when you're at a movie, candy or popcorn? Or chocolate? Popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> 
Pancake or waffle? Oh, waffle. Nice. Elevator or escalator? Hmm. <laughs> um, escalator. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Let's have some tougher ones now because you're doing a lot of food projects and stuff like that. Uh, burgers or tacos? Come on. <laughs> They're both my favorite. Uh, tacos. Okay. One last one, okay? I, I, I think this is very easy. Chocolate or avocado? Chocolate without palm oil. Mm. That's a really good one. Thank you so much, Simona. Thank <laughs> you for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback on our social media channels. And of course, you can get in touch with us if you want to be a part of this podcast as a participant. Thank you, Nora. And thank you, Simona, again. And good luck with your project, Simona. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.